Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. It's another week of football here on the Flats. Georgia Tech taking on the Virginia Cavaliers in Charlottesville this Saturday. Kickoff from Scott Stadium will be at 1230. Pre-game coverage will start at 1030 on Saturday morning. The Georgia Tech Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. And that's where we start this episode of From the Flats with Voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra, and football color analyst Sean Bedford. And Andy, it's already been a, a productive week uh, here on campus. Georgia Tech men's basketball picking up that win on a Tuesday night. How, how was your trip to the gas station? Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, very carbohydrate heavy, but uh, jubilant as well. And hopefully we can uh, replicate that feeling on the way back from Charlottesville on Saturday. Well, that sounds good to me. As far as this past weekend, offensive shortcomings, uh, no doubt about that. Tech failing to gain uh, more than 200 yards. Uh, obviously, injuries have been a big part of the story. Uh, but defensively, guys, there were some positives. Three turnovers in the first half, another block punt from Jerry Howard. Um, Sean, we'll start with you. What were your takeaways uh, from Saturday's loss? Well, I think it was encouraging just to see the the level of effort and intensity the defense was playing with. And then you, you know, throw on the turnovers and, and the, the block punt, which I guess maybe should be credited to the offense since it was a running back who came away with it. I think that was really encouraging that this defense – you know, played at a high level throughout, even when they were put in difficult positions, even when they were getting thinner and thinner with injuries, uh, just across the board, just a very high level of play. And I think maybe most telling was that series where it looked like Tech was about to score a touchdown. There's a fumble at the goal line. It gets returned deep into Tech territory, and the defense bowed up, uh, did not allow uh, Pittsburgh to, to move forward. In fact, knocked him 10 yards back and forced them to settle for an extremely long field goal. So uh, the put the ball down mentality was in full effect and I was very just depressed across the board with how the defense performed yeah I agree with you Sean just the way Georgia Tech defensively strained and played with resolve perseverance I think that suits them well and it's a skill that uh is is ingrained in a team as the season goes on and I think it can serve them very well on the road uh, this Virginia team has at times struggled to move the ball in spite of the, the presence of a terrific quarterback and in Bryce Perkins uh, they've had some issues with pass protection they haven't looked maybe as dynamic as people anticipated them would look on offense. Uh, some of that has to do with Perkins nursing a, a bothersome knee for most of the season. But that ability to just not let one poor drive become two and, and snowball, uh, that's what I took away from the Pittsburgh game, that Georgia Tech is is now in that mental frame of mind where they're not going to let that happen. And that's a trait that you have to bring on the road with you if you want to get a win. And what I think is really cool about all that is, is that if it was one game, that would be one thing. But this is something we've seen over the last couple of games. And in particular, it was such a pure carryover from the Miami game where the Tech defense was put in difficult situations and just found a way to come up with a stop when they needed it. Uh, that's going to serve them well going forward. But that's indicative, I think, of, of not just a couple of good games back-to-back, I think that really speaks to sort of an overall mentality of this team. Uh, and, and you said the word ingrained in this team. And I think Coach Collins might say it's in their DNA. Uh, but that's something that I think, you, you know, if nothing else, you can take that going forward, that this defense is going to play with this level of effort, intensity, and just refusal to be daunted by whatever sort of situation uh, in any matchup. And and I think what's, what's particularly helpful about this Virginia game is if you look back at their game against Miami – as you kind of alluded to, Andy, they've had some games where they get bogged down offensively and you can make this a defensive slugfest. 
And Sean, that goes back to the coveted term of consistency, and that's what all coaches want uh, from their best units. And Tech gotten that from the defense last couple of weeks. And and Andy, let I want to uh, touch on something you said as far as uh, Virginia offensive. They've kind of been an, an enigma to me in that you know they're dead last in the ACC in rushing yards per game. You got Bryce Perkins, uh, who uh, is number nine nationally in, in total offensive yards, number one in the ACC at quarterback. They're averaging over 30 points per game. They, they lead the ACC in time of possession. And like, like you guys talked about, they've been kind of inconsistent. But between Perkins and then Joe Reed, uh, those are two very dangerous uh, playmakers. I'm curious, what's Tech's best route of slowing them down? Yeah, and some haymaker playmakers between Reed and, and Bryce Perkins. And though they might be an enigma, Wiley, I would call uh, classify them as a very dangerous enigma because this is a team that's also coming off 517 yards versus North Carolina. And there were times where they sliced right through that North Carolina defense. I think if you want to contain this Virginia offense, you have to contain the scrambles from Bryce Perkins. He ripped off a 65-yard touchdown run versus North Carolina, but that was on a pass play. Uh, that just shows you how electric Bryce Perkins can be if he can break contained. You have to trust your DBs with the one-on-one -on -one matchups against Reed and Terrell Janna and Hasis Dubois. Uh, they're a very solid receiving core. You're right. Uh, you don't have to load the box against this Miami defense, but you have to at least spy on, on Bryce Perkins and make sure that he doesn't deflate and demoralize you with a big freelance play, which he's certainly capable of busting out. Contain the explosives if you can do that. Make Virginia beat you more methodically. Make Bryce Perkins uh, be a little more methodical in, in his throws and reads downfield, I think you give yourself a better chance to come away with a win. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think so much of, of Bryce Perkins, is, it, it, what, what he adds as a playmaker is his ability to improvise and create when everything seems to be breaking down. And, and so I think what you have to do in this situation when you face a back like this, I don't know if you specifically put a spy on him and just say your job and your only job on this particular play is to account for Bryce Perkins. That's always an option. But I think the other thing you can do is just make it a, a concerted effort to collapse the pocket in on him. Um, you know, if you get into your rush lanes and get really upfield with your defensive ends, it creates those kind of creases that he's thrived in and that allow him to just tuck the ball down, take off and run. This is not to take anything away from Bryce Perkins as a passer because he's, he's already shown that he's more than capable of tearing teams up through the air. But... I think if you have to pick your poison, you want to make him one-dimensional. And to me, I think taking away what he adds on the ground is is really the bet you want to take because you know you've got an excellent secondary you can fall back on. Offensively last week, clearly Jordan Mason uh, didn't have his best day against the top 10 uh, rush defense in the Pitt Panthers. And while Virginia still ranks awfully high uh, in the rush defense, top 30 nationally, they have allowed a pair of 100-yard rushers the last two weeks, Javian Hawkins of Louisville. Uh, had a buck 42 against him, and then uh, Javante Williams hit 100 on the nose last week uh, in Virginia's win over North Carolina and Williams. But it seems like uh, there's at least an opportunity there to, to run a little bit more on Virginia given these past couple of weeks. A running back as good as, as Jordan Mason is not going to be kept down that long, and I don't think it's fair to look at that pit game and say that that's necessarily a reflection on his development as he progresses towards being that elite-level ACC running back. You know, last game out, James Graham was a little bit off the mark with some of his throws. That forced Tech into some uh, some situations where they had to convert third and longs. That takes some of the, the run game out of the playbook. I think it, if there's a, an opportunity for Tech to come out, fire off the ball, try to create some of those lanes 
for Jordan Mason. I think they're going to make an effort to do that. The other thing, which I thought we might see a little bit more against Pittsburgh than we ultimately did, is I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Tech come out and try to establish uh, the option game, the quarterback run game, getting James Graham and Jordan Yates, if he plays, involved in, in running the ball uh, to try to slow them down, get them comfortable. Uh, and I think if you do that, that presents that additional rushing threat, which is going to open up some holes for Jordan Mason. Well, if nothing else, I'm excited to see how things uh, unfold in Charlottesville, a place where Georgia Tech has struggled over the years. Uh, last two meetings between these two teams, the winning team has taken a uh, kick back to the house for a touchdown two years ago. It was Joe Reed on the kick return last year, Wanye Thomas on a free kick return following the safety. So good chance to see some fireworks on Saturday in Charlottesville. Andy, Sean. Thanks for the time, guys. And, uh, Sean, make sure to uh, pack a few extra layers. It's going to be a chilly one up there. You make sure you're packing extra layers. We'll have heaters up in the box or up in the booth. But uh, down there on the field, we want to make sure that Wiley is staying nice and warm so that you can give us the, the latest and, uh, and greatest in terms of breaking updates on the field. All right. Well, enjoy your ivory tower, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Coming up next, we'll visit with former Georgia Tech linebacker, former teammate of Sean Bedford, Stephen Sylvester, as he reflects on a big win over Virginia 10 years ago when Tech snapped a lengthy losing streak at Scott Stadium. This is From the Flats. Great seats remain for the rest of the 2019 Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets home football schedule, including clean old-fashioned hate versus Georgia. Visit ramblinrec.com slash tickets to get yours today. Joined by former Yellow Jacket linebacker Stephen Sylvester and Stephen we wanted to get you back on uh, this week for a number of reasons, but uh, we'll get to those in a moment. But could you first tell us uh, where you are headed this weekend while Georgia Tech uh, is at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville? Yes, we are actually um, we're flying up to Des Moines to take on Drake uh, University for an in-conference game for us here at Jacksonville University. Where you are the running backs and special teams coordinator, correct? That is correct, yes, sir. Well, we're excited to uh, to see if we can get two wins, uh, one in Charlottesville and one in Des Moines uh, on Saturday for the Dolphins and the Jackets. And, and we'll get to your current role uh, down in Jacksonville. But can you take me back to 10 years ago? Uh, you were a sophomore in 2009, three-year starter for Tech, 09 through 11. Uh, but when you first headed to Charlottesville in 2009, that was a place where Georgia Tech hadn't won since 1990, the year of the national championship. What do you remember about going up there for the first time, knowing that there was a significant eight-game losing streak you guys were trying to snap in the midst of what well, you guys were having a great season, the top 15 team? Um, what, what I distinctively remember first and foremost was Coach Johnson would do different things you know, throughout the course of the year to kind of get us motivated to play each week. And that was one of the things that he had hit on um, from our first Monday meeting when we were erasing the last game and getting ready to go play Virginia was he made that a point of a point of reference that no Georgia Tech team had gone up to Charlottesville and won in a very long time. So it gave us something to, to kind of shoot for, and it gave us something to set ourselves apart from other Georgia Tech teams. That was a very, very special year for us down at Georgia Tech that year, and we wanted to continue to add on to our legacy and do a lot of things that other teams hadn't done. So that was just an opportunity to check one of those things off the checklist. Well, you led the team in tackles that day with six, which which might seem like a low number, but the bottom line was Virginia just didn't have the football that much in, in a 34-9 to win. Uh, again, you went on to start all of that season, the next two years. I'm curious, wh what is your fondest memory uh, from your time playing at Georgia Tech as a, as, as a McDonough native and, and local product? Uh, there's so many. Um, probably the biggest thing was just the camaraderie uh, that we had on those teams that, that, I, that I had the opportunity to be a part of down there. 
um, we had great leadership each year that I was there, especially in that 2009 season. Um, Josh Nesbitt, I'll tell anybody this, if I was ever going into a fight 10 years ago or 10 years from now, I want to take nine with me because I knew that that was a guy that when times got tough and things needed to get going, that he would, that he had an opportunity to make a play. With Josh, it seems like anytime we have a former teammate of his on, they just talk about his leadership and tangibles. Can, can you give us a, an anecdotal piece of evidence, whether it be on the field or in the locker room or, or any other environment where you know, that kind of sums up who Josh Nesbitt was? The first thing that comes to mind is uh, in that same year, 2009, when we went to play Florida State and it was a shootout. And I believe we had a couple of rain delays and lightning delays and it was kind of hard to get going. And we were looking for somebody to make some sort of play within the course of that game. And I can't remember the exact play, but I remember one of our running backs fumbled the ball and Josh went and took the bat, the ball back from the defensive player. I've never seen that <laughs> done before. And it, it just kind of, it was kind of like second nature. Like you may have taken the ball, but this is, this is kind of my deal. I'm, I'm running the show out here. So I'm going to take that. And then just his voice, you know, whether it be in the locker room, the weight room, um, on the field, whenever he said something, everybody listened, you know, whether it was a senior that was older than him, a freshman that was younger, somebody that was his same age. Whenever he talked, we listened and we followed as he said. Oh, and as a coach now at Jacksonville, Stephen, I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate the players who are able to uh, kind of, uh, whether it's follow up on the coach's message or, or deliver their own and how valuable it is uh, for a locker room. Again, joined by uh, former Georgia Tech linebacker Stephen Sylvester. Uh, can you tell me about your journey after the 2011 season, playing your final game in the Sun Bowl? Uh, as a yellow jacket and you took uh, quite a path to get to where you are today can you share that with us absolutely uh so when i got done playing um like a lot of former football players you don't realize that that's your last game so you think you have so much more football um left to play but you know i trained i, I tried my shot at the nfl when that didn't work out um i tried to figure out what was next from from a life standpoint and i ended up at enterprise rent a car and I did that for about eight months and some people love it and it works out really well for them. I just wasn't one of those guys. I knew that I had, you know, I had to be around the game in some shape, form or fashion, whether that was I try to play some more somewhere or I get into coaching or whatever it may be. I just knew that I had to be around athletics to be happy. And um, I actually got in contact with Coach Johnson and I was just kind of sharing my thoughts with him, uh, what I wanted to do, how I was feeling. And he said, you know what, Steve, I think that you would be a pretty good coach. And I was like, coach, I don't I don't think that that life is for me. You know, I don't want to you know, be living in Atlanta. And then the next opportunity comes in the middle of nowhere, Montana, and I have to go there. And I don't want to move my family because I do want to have a family someday. And he said, well, Steve, if you think about it, it's the exact same thing, the exact same problems that you would be facing if you were to play in the NFL, except you don't have to hit anybody or get hit. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, coach, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I was able, you know, after our conversation, I believe that was August of 2012 when we had that conversation. And then uh, in January of 2013 is when I had the opportunity to come back and be a GA. And I did that for three years. I graduated with my master's up there. And then literally maybe a day or two after I got done walking across the stage with my master's from tech, I got a phone call from the head coach here, Ian Shields, and said that they needed a running backs coach and he wanted to know if I was interested. And that was 2016. And now I'm here in Jacksonville. I'm married. I got a kid on the way coaching ball and loving every single minute of it well congratulations Stephen. that's that's an awesome story uh excited uh what when is the due date uh for the for the firstborn uh the firstborn we have a baby boy he's going to be due march 9th so march so very, 9th. very excited for that already bought his georgia tech jersey so he he, does, he knows he doesn't have an option <laughs> <laughs> oh that's very exciting well again Stephen, congratulations thanks so much uh 
for sharing your fond memories uh, and, and the impact Georgia Tech has had on you. And uh, good luck. Get a big win in Des Moines, Iowa this weekend, and uh, hopefully the Jackets can do the same in Charlottesville. Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. Go Jackets. That's Stephen Sylvester, former Georgia Tech linebacker from 2009 to 2011, uh, now a college coach down in Jacksonville with the Dolphins on the running backs and special teams coordinator. When we come back, we'll have head coach Michelle Collier and her volleyball team that is on an eight-match win streak. This is From the Flats. We saw a couple big wins from men's basketball and women's basketball er earlier this week, but we are joined by the hottest team and the hottest coach in the building here at the Edge, Georgia Tech Volleyball head coach Michelle Collier. And coach, an eight-match win streak, a 16-7 record overall, 9-3 and three in the ACC, tied for second place with six matches to play. And let's revisit what we saw on Sunday. That had to be one of the most improbable wins you've been a part of for those that missed it. It was NC State ahead 2-1 to one in the match and 23-15 to 15 in the fourth set. Yellow Jackets rattled off 10 straight points to take the fourth set, force a fifth, and they pick up another road victory in the ACC. Coach, how do you describe that rally you guys put together at the end of the match to keep it alive and keep this win streak alive? Yeah, uh, crazy. I mean, and, uh, you know, I think that one of the things we talked about, and it was funny because my pregame speech was about just kind of resiliency and playing one play at a time because you not really know what play it's going to be the momentum changer, what play it's going to be, you know, the ones that you talk about and you're like, oh, if this didn't happen, you know, this this wouldn't happen. Um, and so we just kept talking about that. We're like, hey, we got to stay with it and, and just kind of see where it goes, you know. And we were obviously not playing our, our best. And so we were trying to just – one of the, the things that I was most proud of is we kept fighting. We kept trying to, you know, make it better – focus on the little things that we needed to do to execute every skill. Um, and so we just kept talking about that. We, we just kind of said, hey, let's not, you know, whatever happens, happens, but we got to leave here knowing that we fought for every point and then we'll, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. And I mean, no one better than Kayla to be at that service line. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just a kid that's super confident, very, she's not afraid um, of being in those situations. And so it was great and matched the rotation from them also that you know is a little bit easier to defend they had less options and so it was almost like all the stars were aligned for this to have happened well over that eight match win streak uh, the first six were all clean sets it mm -hmm. was swift it was dominant this past weekend as you alluded to had to grind a little bit and, yes. and how important was it uh, for the team to realize that every win doesn't have to be unblemished you can win ugly sure. just find a way to compete and move yes. forward yes we, we always say you know there's, there's a e the easy way and the hard way but they're both um you know they're both a win and uh we again is we we're not always going to be at our best our players you know you're not always going to be at your best performance all the time but the a team a successful team is able to overcome those moments and they they're able to step up for each other and step up at different times and that's exactly what happened uh, this weekend. So many key contributors throughout the season, much less during this win streak. Uh, Mariana Brambilla had 23 kills mm -hmm. on Sunday. Michaela yeah. Dow was huge on Friday. Yes. But I'm curious, Kayla Kaiser, uh, someone mm -hmm. who, who kind of had to battle for that starting spot entering yeah. the season, it seems like she's almost a microcosm of how this team has responded. What can you say about the sophomore from Louisville? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we loved the most when we were recruiting Kayla was just her presence on the court, right? She's somebody that, that's out there fighting for every point. She has a personality that I feel I can coach the best and bring the most out of because she she is a fighter. She's got emotions. She's got energy, and that's how we want this program playing. You know, it's it's and then she's a 
a good reflection of, of how we want to be playing, how we want to be competing. Um, you, you know, so it's always fun. I mean, she's not the most physical kid on the court, but she busts her butt every single mm-hmm. day. Um, you know, we talked about that all the time. We, in Brazil, we have a saying that God doesn't give wings to snakes. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like she doesn't have everything that she needs. But, I mean, if she did, she would be mm-hmm. the best player in the world, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you just got to – she makes so much of what she's got, Um you know, and she understands her limitations, but I think that you can't teach heart, you can't teach hustle, um, and that's something that comes very naturally from her. Well, lo and behold, she was at the line during that key rally yeah, as well, so big, big part of that. Let's <laughs> let's look ahead now. Yeah. Uh, still three more home matches on the docket, so it'll be exciting to see you guys back at O'Keefe, but up next, it's the Pitt Panthers, mm-hmm. defending ACC champs, yeah. number two team in the country. They lost one match this year. You're going yeah. into the zoo, into the... Uh, you know, the home of the Panthers, uh, what do you expect from your team on Friday night when they take on one of the top teams in the country? You know, I, I hope that we, we, you know, I think the better the competition, the bigger the opportunity to really show what you can do. Um, so I think that we're going to be ready for the challenge. I think that our, our team is excited uh, to play such a great team. Uh, it's excited to play in that environment. Again, uh, I think that these are very few experiences that they're going to have in their lives that you know you can do that you can play a great team in a great environment good volleyball you have been doing so good in 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 a lot of things so this is an opportunity to just again it's another match um, but a really cool opportunity to kind of step up and see what you can do you know put yourself out there and so um, it's uh, we're excited we're getting ready for it um there's still a lot of things that we got to get better. And, and so we're in the gym, we're working on those things. And it's definitely going to take the best volleyball that we play. We, we're going to have to play all year um, to compete with this team and, and try to come out of there with a win. Um, but so I just hope that we're, we're ready for that. And I think we are. Great moments require great opportunities. You guys have earned some, uh, not just Friday night, but the rest of the season. Again, three more home matches, uh, NC State a week from Sunday, and then a uh, Friday-Sunday weekend uh, on the 22nd and 24th with Clemson and Notre Dame. Coach, thanks for the time. Congrats. And uh, the whole building is is, is following you guys. So we really enjoyed it. (laughs) Good. Go Jackets. All right, that's head coach Michelle Callier. That'll do it for us this week on From the Flats. We'll have our Georgia Tech football coverage beginning at 10.30 Saturday morning and then men's basketball on the Georgia Tech Sports Network Monday night as they take on Elon. Have a great weekend, Tech fans. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network on game days for live coverage and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.